going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is Thursday, June 28th. Tomorrow is Friday, June 29th, the day I've been looking forward to for quite some time because it starts the 35th annual Brainy Family Vacation down in the Outer Banks. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't be more pumped right now, ready to go away, ready to get my tan on, ready to uh, not fit into my bathing suit and my summer clothes because there's no hiding now, but I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, get to go see all the cousins I haven't seen in a while. Drink alcohol all day, eat great food, probably go out one night. I'm pumped. It's it's and it's a week off of work. You know that's the bottom line. Like I could be not going anywhere, but a week off of work, I'll still be excited. You know, you still get to stay up late, sleep in, and I'm doing it with uh, my cousins that I love and and like love hanging out with. So pretty pumped up about this coming up. Uh, so before I jump into that, though, we have some business to get to. It is NBA silly season. Uh, the one thing that the NBA does have now, like I don't particularly think it's that great of a league when you compare it to the NFL. Like, you know, everyone likes to complain about the NFL because of the rules and stuff, but like, it just seems like it's a better league all around. But NBA knows how to entertain, and they're doing it now. They own late June when not a lot's going on. And right now you're getting a lot of rumors, you know, uh, oh, LeBron's uh, trainer just moved to, or bought a house in Houston. Or, oh, so, you know, LeBron's kid is looking at a school in Chino Hills or whatever. And there's literally rumors for him to go anywhere. He's one domino. He might not even be the first domino to fall, but he's the biggest domino to fall. Durant is still out there. Paul George is opting out. Uh, guys like DeMarcus Cousins are available. Kawhi Leonard's available for a trade. Kemba Walker's available for a trade. DeAndre Jordan's available for a trade. It should be some craziness going on. I think by this time next week, we're going to have basically all of that figured out. But today is the big day that goes down. Because uh, I think tomorrow is that opt-in deadline. And you'll find out a lot by the opt-ins. But it doesn't end anything, you know? Like, if LeBron opts out, Houston is basically out of the picture. Uh, it comes down to L.A., Cleveland, Philly. If he opts in, then it becomes a, okay, well, who's going to put together... He, he basically is opting in and then choosing where he wants to play at that point. But at least the Cavs get something for him if he leaves. You know, if he opts in and says, I want to go play in L.A., they're like, all right, well, now we're going to have to trade you to L.A. We're going to have to get something in return. They're going to have to clear some cap. We're not just going to take Luol Deng for nothing. You're going to have to give us something. So there are ways to make that look like a little bit better for the Cavs rather than him just opting out and leaving. Uh, but there are a lot of factors that go into this. Uh, if we're just staying on LeBron, Terry Pluto came out with something this morning that my research team, uh, my research team came up with. If LeBron wants to sign that Supermax, that five-year, $205 million, this is the last year he can do it because it has to end before he turns 38. And he's 33 right now. So if he waits till next year to do this, if he opts in and trades and then signs the Supermax, you're not going to be able to do that five years. So if LeBron is really about the money, which he has shown in the last few contracts that he is about getting his money, he doesn't sacrifice. He gets the top dollar. And he deserves it, so why not? If he's about that, Cleveland's the only team that can offer him that. 
they can offer him the five-year Supermax contract right now. He can opt in. They can they can work that out. I, that's the one thing that does become a little like hazy is if he opts in, asks for a trade. But I believe if you opt in, you, you aren't eligible for the signing the Supermax. You have to sign an extension of it. You don't get to just scratch your one year that you're currently on. So that's going to come into play. Uh, the fact that you know Wendy just dropped a tweet that said, Kemba Walker, that door might have closed for Cleveland and Charlotte to perform a trade. I don't know if that's the door is closed on that. I think if anything, that's the Cavs have found out that they can go get someone else, you know, and 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 play alongside that because I don't think the asking price would be too much. You know, they would want Colin Sexton. Okay, they would want I don't know. Like that's the problem. It's like it, it, no matter what Charlotte wants, the Cavs aren't giving up that much to get him anyway. So I have a feeling. The Cavs, either A, that door's not closed, or B, the Cavs are pursuing something else. Or they know LeBron's not coming back, and they're like, sorry, we're not trading our number eight pick for a guy who's leaving next year. Now, with that being said, that's just one thought process, right? Is the Kemba Walker side of things, the Paul George side of things, versus the full rebuild. And I think it's really important that the Cavs, no matter what LeBron does, they don't take any half measures, they got to go full measure no matter what direction it is. I'll explain. So, the Cavs plan A. Let's call this plan A. The all-in 216 plan. You need to show LeBron you're committed to winning because he's probably going to keep signing contracts whether he does the Supermax or he does this like show me you you love me type contracts where he's like one year opt out two-year opt-out, whatever. The same thing he's been doing the last four years, basically, in Cleveland. So if you're going to do that, go out, get Kemba Walker, trade Colin Sexton, take on that big Batum contract, something like that. Go out, get DeAndre Jordan, who may want out of L.A. and is seeking a trade right now. Go get him before Dallas scoops him up. Maybe get Boogie Cousins in a sign-and-trade. I don't know if they have the financial flexibility for that because... I heard today that sign-in trades don't really work for teams that far over the cap. They said they're trying to do things to change it. It doesn't really look like that. Honestly, the Cavs can put together a starting lineup, if they do this right, of Kemba, Batum, LeBron, Love, DeAndre Jordan. And I think, or instead of DeAndre Jordan, how about Hassan Whiteside? Because he has kind of been on the outs in Miami ever since they've gone to this, like, ball screen slash like handoff slash cutting offense it's like it doesn't they don't do the pick and roll which he's so good at anymore the Cavs do do a lot of pick and roll and they're paying Hassan Whiteside a lot of money to do things that he's not really comfortable doing he's made it pretty clear that he's not wanted that badly in Miami Miami may want to get rid of him and I'm telling you we've seen this last year it doesn't take a whole lot to get a superstar. It really doesn't. You can go out and get these guys for 75 cents on the dollar. Now, the way the Spurs are handling Kawhi Leonard is the way to do it. If you have a star that's disgruntled, don't make any rash decisions. Hold on to him. Realize that you hold all the chips and then make the right move at the right time. You know, Cavs rushed the trade of Kyrie. 
It, uh, it's, it's obvious now that they could have gotten more and they didn't need to trade him to Boston. I've been saying that for a year. They could have traded him elsewhere and they would have been able to get something done because Ky- Kyrie is a valued commodity. Even though he came out with a list of teams he wanted to go to, they traded him to a team that wasn't on that list. So, you know, if you're, if you're trying to look at things like, you know, when the player holds all the cards, it's not exactly true. If he's under contract, he doesn't hold all the cards. That being said, you look at LeBron, he does hold all the cards because he has the opt-in. So you need to go out and make moves to get him because if you're the Cavs, you know one thing, and that it's LeBron or it's rebuild. It's, it's as simple as that because they don't have a roster that can contend if he leaves, and they don't have financial flexibility to replace him if he leaves. So they need to go into the gutter. And the last thing you want to do is keep on scraping by to make the playoffs. That never works for anybody. So if they don't, so let's finish up the all-in plan. I think that's pretty obvious that they need to make LeBron feel comfortable. The next few years, contend in the East, continue to try and get a championship. And you know what? This reign of dominance continues. LeBron gets to stay home. His kids stay home. His wife stays home. Everything's comfortable here, even though he doesn't love ownership. Hey, he came back four years ago. Uh, he won a championship. They can restock with some of the pieces that they have. There are ways to do this. It's not a door-closed thing for Cleveland. I think they still have about a 50-50 chance of getting LeBron. Who knows? By the time I release this, maybe everything will be different. That'll be funny. If LeBron does leave, don't take the half measure of trying to compete with Colin Sexton and George Hill and Kevin Love. It's it's just not going to work out in the best interest of the team. So I think the best thing to do is just sell. You have Chetty Oshman, Colin Sexton. Those are the two guys you start around, right? So then you trade Love to Memphis, who's trying to get back into the competition right now. They look at Mike Conley and Marcus Saul and say, hey, listen, we can compete right now. We got to do that. Chandler Parsons, they were trying to attach the number four pick. Uh, Jaron Jackson wasn't like approving Memphis of even looking at him until draft day. So it's not like they've been attached to Jaron Jackson for a really long time. Jaron Jackson, Chandler Parsons for Kevin Love. If LeBron's gone, I do that trade. Yes, you take on a pretty big contract in Chandler Parsons, but he'll be gone when it's time to pay the young guys. And I think that's the way you do it. Then if LeBron decides he wants to go to Philly or LA and he does the opt-in, this is optimal. Now, if uh, you can get a guy like Brandon Ingram and take on Luel Dung's contract so that LeBron goes to LA, they clear another $18 million by getting rid of Ingram and Deng, which means they are able to sign a DeMarcus Cousins or a Paul George and trade for Kawhi Leonard and have room for three superstars. They won't be able to have room for three superstars if they still have Deng on the roster. So I think that's a big thing that if LeBron decides to go to L.A., he knows Deng needs to be out of there, and Deng will either be part of a trade for Kawhi or maybe a a trade for LeBron. Just something to consider. And... Finally, come wait, no, I'm missing someone. Yes. If he goes to Philly, they have Fultz, they have 
the Miami pick in a couple years. They have a couple young guys like, uh, what is his name, Zaire Smith. Robert Covington's a good player. A lot of people like Saric is still under contract on his rookie deal. Philly can make a trade work too. So, and that's, and Houston, you really hope he doesn't want to go to Houston because you're not getting that much of a rebuilding package. You're getting Eric Gordon, which you'll probably have to flip sooner or later. That's not exactly ideal. So you get, let's say, a Brandon Ingram to go along with your Colin Sexton, to go along with Jaron Jackson. You sit guys like Deng and Parsons. They either play or, or they're out of the rotation. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. You're not going to be winning a lot of games anyway. And then finally, you help out the OKC mess. You know, whether they have Paul George or not, Carmelo Anthony seems to be a big mistake there. Help them out. Give them Tristan Thompson, who will help on the boards and on the post defense. Uh, and, and you know what? If they're going to be centered around a team that's centered around, uh, if they're going to be centered around Russ Westbrook, and they're going to be going all in on that, and maybe Paul George is still there, they don't want that third guy, Carmelo. They might want a Tristan Thompson and a Kyle Korver, or a Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Or maybe they want George Hill's contract that they can get out of next year. J.R. Smith they can get out of next year. And then you get Carmelo Anthony and you pick up a guy you know, that is going to be a free agent next year and you drop that $26 million. That's a way to get out from this bad cap situation if you're Dan Gilbert. And you get a guy in the process, that, uh, that rookie Ferguson, who went through a year of not playing in college just to go straight to the NBA. And he seems to have a lot of potential. If you combine him with the guys they have, they have that kid, kid from Kansas, Billy Preston, Jetty Oshman. All of a sudden, the Cavs, this is how you rebuild it. You're going to stink for a couple years. You get another high pick to go along with this young core. When it comes time to pay some of these guys, Parsons' deal is gone. Deng's deal is gone. Carmelo's deal is gone. You know, Hill and Smith are gone after this year. Corver's gone after this year. So they do have a future without LeBron James. It'll be bad early, but at least you're doing it the right way instead of not getting those top picks because you're trying to compete for a playoff spot with Kevin Love and not getting young guys to build around. And Kevin Love leaves in two years anyway. I think that's just the bottom line for the Cavs. They know be all in or be all out. And you know what? There's no rush. Show LeBron you can be all in if he wants to stay. And don't don't do these deals until you must. If you do a trade for DeAndre Jordan, hey, you know what? Trade Tristan Thompson. Trade Kyle Korver. And then Jordan leaves next year anyway. He clears some cap. It's not ideal, but it's the situation they're in. And I feel like it's not the worst situation in the NBA, even though the ringer and other podcasts and other sports personalities will have you believe that the Cavs are an absolute mess and an absolute joke. They're a bit of a joke, mainly because of Dan Gilbert and that fact that Colby Altman didn't get too much for Kyrie last year. But it's doable, and I think they need to just work around that. All right, enough NBA. There will be a lot to cover next week when these guys start moving to places, when they start opting in, opting out, and stuff like that. But right now, let's move on from the NBA. 
We've got a lot to cover. And so two movies this week, and it got me thinking, you know what? Instead of just re reviewing movies, why don't we also review trailers? I love movie trailers. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a Jaker trailer interruption starting right now. The movie is called Bad Times at the El Royale for Jaker's trailer interruption. Here we go. is a bi-state establishment. You have the option to choose a room in either California or Nevada. All right, we're seeing a nice old-timey hotel, probably taking place in the 60s if we're listening to the music. You see Jeff Bridges, a priest, walk in, Dakota Johnson with her big sunglasses, John Hamm in a suit. Already an all-star cast. Seems like a nice... Low-key, quiet hotel, very cool with their whole half L.A. or half California, half Nevada. Very cool. There is this place used to be hustling and busting. Old Dean Martin even sang a song about it once. This is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. We might need to work on your sales pitch, son. <laughs> the El Royale, no place for a priest. All right, now things are changing up. You see a little bit of action coming in with the gunshot at the end where a man in a long trench coat, it's too dark to see who he is, shoots a guy in the back, and this hotel is up to no good. You've got the clerk warning the priest that this is no place for a priest. John Hamm's being naive, saying, son, you don't know how to sell. You're seeing that not everything is as it seems at the El Royale. And these are my favorite parts of trailers when it's dark and ominous and quiet and you're kind of seeing a turn in the mood. In this scene, you have the clerk going behind the scenes to look at other members, I'm sorry, guests of the hotel. He's in a wall, basically, looking into the rooms. So you know this place is up to no good. And now it's showing a car crash, a burglary. You're getting a little bit of everything here. John Hamm's looking a little scared. The ominous tone continues. This is great. You have people tied up. You have people looking scared. You watch me. I only watch who they tell me to watch. Who's they? Management. Management's proving to be a little bit behind the eight ball on this. Not the eight ball, what am I looking for? But they're convincing every, the, there's something going on here where they're basically watching everybody in the hotel. Whether they're, hey, looking to get like an extra freebie at the end, I don't really know. But hey, uh, keep going. Would you mind opening up the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. Okay, we've got poisoning drinks, we've got gambling, we've got women tied up in another woman's room. We got wiretaps. We got money. And we got a bad guy walking in the rain coming up to the hotel. 
Ooh, and it's Thor, Chris Hemsworth showing up. This is big. Oh, baby. This looks good. We're seeing fire. We're seeing gunshots. We're seeing women running. We're seeing all the names. This is going to be a big movie. I'm really excited for it. Bad Times at the El Royale. Title comes in. Very excited. So, this October, Bad Times at the El Royale. I'm really pumped for that one. Uh, it just has that, like, almost like a darker Farrelly Brothers type movie, you know? It, it like, And I know I'm saying that because of Jeff Bridges makes me think of, like, The Big Lebowski, but this seems a little bit darker. Uh, it, got, it also has, like, that Smoke and Aces feel. If you ever saw Smoke and Aces, where there's just multiple storylines going on at the same time. And they are somehow intertwined. But those movies are always the best to me. You have Crazy Stupid Love had a lot of storylines. And that's why it's like the goat of rom-coms, as Barstool KFC Radio pointed out this week. Like, it's the best because, and they didn't point this out. This is my original thought right here is, if you don't like a certain character in that movie, you can move on to another storyline. You had Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. You have Steve Carell and Julianne Moore. You had Julianne Moore and Kevin Bacon. You had the kid and the babysitter. You have the fact that Julianne Moore and uh, Steve Carell's kid is, uh, is Emma Stone. You had Emma Stone's friend involved. You had Emma Stone's fiance, or not fiance involved, whatever he was, uh, Josh Brolin, Groban. A lot of things were going on where you can move on to the next storyline and you don't need the actors to be good, even though the actors in that were good, and the actors in this are good. You don't need them to be good because they have less screen time. Okay? You don't need them to really dive into the characters. You don't need them to really show us the depth of the characters because there's less screen time. They're, you're less worried about that. You just need them to hit on the opportunities that they're given, and that's what you have in those types of movies. Smoke and Aces was not a great movie, but it's fun, and it looked like they put minimum amount of effort into making that movie. And if they put a little bit more into it, it would have probably been a little bit better. But this kind of seems like that type of feel where you have a lot of different storylines going on at once, all intertwined into this bad night at this hotel. I'm really excited for it. I mean, I've been on a movie tear recently. And this won't come out till October. So there's no rush to get to see it, but it will be on my short list for sure. Now, in terms of actual movie reviews, we got two this week, all right? I saw one with my family for my dad's birthday, and I saw one by myself because I like going to the movies by myself. We'll start with the one I saw by myself. I saw Tag, starring Ed Helms, Hannibal Burris, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, you had Isla Fisher's in it. You had Jake Johnson. Yeah, Rashida Jones made an appearance. Huge cast. Big cast. Uh, it was... I had high hopes for it. It didn't necessarily meet those expectations throughout the whole film. Like, you know, I look at comedies and say, were you able to keep me laughing the whole time? And that's not exactly how it was. They had some great moments. It wasn't like slapstick funny. It was actually funny. I felt like it took a little while to get going 
but it was still a very funny movie. It was a lot sadder than I thought it was going to be. But I think they hit on it. I think they had the perfect actors for the characters they were going for. I kept thinking that at the end of the movie. I thought I couldn't have picked out better people to play who they got. You know, they had Jake Johnson was like the stoner guy and I, he, he fit that perfectly. He did a really good job. He's a funny actor from New Girl and the new Jurassic Park series. Uh, Hannibal Burris was hilarious throughout the whole film. He does not get enough credit for being one of like the world-class stand-up comics right now. And he was amazing in it. And they needed to give him more, to be honest. Ed Helms was supposed to be the linchpin of the group, the guy that wants to keep everyone together. He was basically Andy Bernard, but like less quirky, goofy. And then John Hamm was a successful businessman. And Jeremy Renner was like the bad boy of the friends. Like they picked the... A-list guy of each character. And I think they did a good job with that. Isla Fisher was funny. Uh, I forget the blonde girl's name that played the Wall Street Journal reporter who was like beautiful, but she was, uh, she like fit the role good. They actually didn't really give her that much lines, but everything that they did, they got Nora Dunn was playing the, like the mom of Ed Helms in that, like, you know, SNL alum there. It was good. I liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. I didn't need to go see it in theaters. I wouldn't rush to go see it, especially since it's leaving theaters soon. But if it's on the 500s channels, if it's on you know, Cinemax or Showtime or HBO, whenever it comes out to TV, I would take a look. I would watch it. It's got some funny scenes, and I was it was worth it to me. Second movie review of the week goes to... I almost have to check my phone because I kind of forgot what it's called. It's, oh, it's Hearts Beat Loud. And it seemed like a bit of an indie film. It was the same company that produced uh, The Disaster Artist with James Franco and Dave Franco. I thought, I thought this movie was pretty good. It's a typical coming-of-age movie. Uh, Nick Offerman plays a once-successful songwriter who is now just a record store owner and is basically retiring from that to go be a bartender. His daughter, who uh, is like half black, half white, uh, she is a very talented musician, but she wants to go be a doctor in the fall at UCLA. You can see how this type of movie goes, but it was a little bit deeper than your average coming-of-age movie. You get to see hints of how the mom died. You get to see hints of what would have been for, uh, for Nick Offerman. I keep on wanting to call Ron from Parks and Rec, but that's not his name in the movie. I kind of forget what his name is. <laughs> it was a good movie. I didn't see any trailers for it ahead of time, which is rare of me. I usually know a lot about a movie before I go in, but my dad requested this movie specifically because it was at the showroom in Asbury Park, a nice little movie theater he had never been to, and he wanted to spend his birthday doing that. So my family obliged. We got the tickets. It's always nice supporting a small local movie theater like that to keep them up and running because you want places like that around. I like going to the movies, so I like having more movie theaters available. I think we all enjoyed it. Uh, the most enjoyable part of the movie was at a very dramatic pause when my dad tried to hold in a sneeze and sounded like he shit himself. <laughs> and it was just like, it was one of those, <laughs> and it just <laughs> had me cracking up. My sister cracking up, 
My mom laughed for like a moment. I, I like couldn't contain myself. I almost had to leave the theater to go laugh outside, but I did not and held it together enough to watch the rest of the movie. But it was, it was quite a moment. Now, you won't get to enjoy that if you see the movie. Uh, the music that they actually made in the movie was pretty good. I thought the songs that they were like displaying were pretty cool. And I thought the whole theme of it was fun, and I liked the ending. Overall, I'll give it like a B-plus grade. I'll give Tag like a B-plus as well. Uh, I, I enjoyed both experiences. I like going to the movie, the movie theater, and, the, and these were no exception. So... I was very happy with with how everything went down this week. All right, so the other sport that's going on right now, believe it or not, is World Cup soccer. Uh, big soccer head over here in Spring Lake, New Jersey. I know I've never talked about it on the podcast before, but I have a very special guest, uh, baseball coach that's very known for being a big soccer head, Mr. Owen Stewart. Owen, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I mean, you are the soccer, basically, like, Stephen A. Smith of uh, the podcast. So uh, I want you to take that, like, to heart. <laughs> no, very little, yet will be boisterous. Yes, that's all I wanted. That's perfect. Okay, so uh, I only caught, like, two or three matches. I was a little bummed, but the fact that they kept on going on at 10 and 2, I really never had a chance to watch some of these matches during the day. What was really cool about the group play that really stuck out to you? The group play was great. A lot of really good close games throughout. A lot of late scoring in the group play, which is what made it so exciting. Mm -hmm. Because the worst part about watching a soccer game is sitting there for 90 minutes, and then the goal is like the one nothing game is decided in the 20th minute, and you just sat there for the next 70, and nothing happened. The group play had a lot of early scores, and then the team would either even it up late or get that go-ahead, push-ahead goal late. There was a lot of drama, a lot of fun throughout the whole group play. Yeah, that I did notice that too, and I was really glad that you brought that up because I felt like every game we went to or we, we watched, you know, it was like, okay, if you're betting the under, you looked good, you looked good, you looked good, and then your friends got his head in his hands because there were three goals in the last ten minutes of the game. Yeah, all hell would break loose right at the end. Everybody would forget how to defend. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, we're down to 16 teams now. I think that starts tomorrow, Friday, or maybe Saturday. Saturday. Okay, so it starts Saturday, which will be perfect. Uh, you always want to start that on like a weekend to get people really into it. Is uh, Are there any teams that you want to look out for? I mean, if we're going to my heritage, I'm really excited for Slovenia, Ireland, Scotland, and oh wait, none of those teams are in the 16. No. Yeah, what do we got? What do you, what do you like? No, we're in the 32. Um, well, let's see. Saturday, is, Saturday has one of the more interesting first round games in France and Argentina because neither of them have played well. Both of them came in with a ton of expectations. So that one is the most interesting because whoever loses will really be in hot water back in their home country, and that's where the most drama is. That's my favorite part about the World Cup is not necessarily the winner, but whoever loses is branded a loser for the next four years and almost disowned by their country. It's They take it very serious. I, I love so, that. You know what? Like It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, I wish America was so into it and like looked at it as a – 
you know, nation of shame, basically, like the, like what you had with Germany not making it so far. You literally have Germans are silenced for the next, I don't know how long. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, for basketball fans, just look at Dirk Nowitzki's tweets. <laughs> it's, it, like, I'm really sorry about it, but it's actually really funny because, like, he was so vocal about them, and they were such, you know, a heavily favorited team because of them being the, the you know, defending champion. So really interesting that they were knocked out so that's, quickly. That's the biggest difference between, like, just from getting into and watching soccer, the way that they cover, that soccer gets covered internationally is so different than how we cover sports here. Like, we really only talk about the winners for the most part. You flick on ESPN, you're only watching the best teams. Even if there's a collapse here and there, they celebrate the team that forced the collapse. Where uh, with soccer, they spend 99% of the time talking about the loser and the team who's struggling and why they're so bad. And just pouring on ruthlessly. It's fascinating to watch. It really is. Um, I mean, it's it's just so crazy. And that's something that I wish like we could participate in. Uh, America should get a team going. Your brother pointed this out the other day. They should definitely work on getting a team. This would be a lot of fun to participate in. Okay, you only need 11. So we yeah. can find 11. Yeah, and we have 350 million people. We could figure that out. Yeah, we have a massive country. I mean, if like Trinidad and Tobago can come up with a team, certainly America can. Um, right, that's true. It's hot. Um, okay, so anyone I should be sticking out, like looking for, like which game are like you, I know you mentioned Argentina first, but which players are it's like, hey, you got to watch this guy play because I've I, I'm going to be honest, I've never actually seen Ronaldo play, so maybe he should be one of the guys I watch. Awesome to watch play because the literally the only thing he wants to do is score a goal, and that's it. All he wants to do is score a goal, win, rip his shirt off, repeat. He's a fascinating watch. That sounds like my kind of guy because, you know, like my favorite basketball players are like Jamal Crawford. Like, just get him the ball and he wants to score. So, so. he'll also get very pissed. This game he got a yellow for arguing with the ref because he got fouled a bunch of times. Couldn't get his space. Also in Brazil, Neymar is awesome to watch too. He's been a little banged up. Um, let's see, who else? On Belgium, their striker, Romelu Lukaku, their offense is awesome. And they get a nice, they get one of the easier first-round matchups in Japan. So they should have some space to exploit him. Uh, De Bruyne is going to be the midfielder who feeds him. They're really awesome to watch together. That They scored the most goals throughout the match play. Awesome. It sounds really exciting. I'm definitely going to be watching some of it. I go on vacation starting tomorrow, so I'm going to have the time to watch it. You're already on summer vacation, so like yes. we're ready to roll. To awesome. So we're going to be talking about this over the next week. Yes. We're going to we're going to be chatting it up. Uh, listen, before you leave, give me one bold prediction. How about give me two teams that you think, all right, if this team doesn't win, this team will win. And uh, yeah, make it bold. Okay. So, I'll start with my long shot to win. And really just because in their loss today, they ended up on the right side of the bracket. England is my long shot to win out of all these teams. England is one of the younger teams, um, but they played really well. They weren't expected to be as good as you would typically think an England team is supposed to be. But they haven't totally disappointed and gotten dragged through the mud just yet. 
And my realistic one to win, it's tough to pick against Brazil. <laughs> They're very deep. Brazil had two guys go out in the last game, two of their really better players, and didn't skip a beat. They just keep rolling. So they're they're almost two national teams worth of guys deep. I like it. I like those predictions. Uh, I would like to see England do well because I feel like videos of their fans always surface somewhere, and it's always yeah. fun watching them go a little nuts. That one in the bar with the sparklers and everything. That one was wild. I need more of that. So, and that's why I'm here. Like, I'm like, if I don't get to enjoy like my team or my nation doing well, at least give me something that'll be entertaining to watch. Yeah, exactly. So. Listen. Yeah. Oh, epic meltdowns. That's great too. I would love that. Some type of crazy penalty. And you know what? I'm actually pretty pretty pumped about is that in all the matches I've watched, which is like I don't know three or whatever, I haven't seen any like egregious like fake injuries or anything like that. I feel like there's a, a sense of pride that you're seeing from a lot of these that they're like, listen, like we're gonna go out and play our asses off. You'll see it more. If, say, Russia were to somehow take a lead on Spain, oh. they're going to try to kill some clock. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what goes comes here. I like that. I like that. You know what? Bring it back. Keep me on my toes, all right? Listen, Owen, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I know it was a quick segment, but we'll uh, definitely have you on maybe afterwards uh, to talk about uh, how awesome it yeah. was. And, uh, yeah. and maybe an all-star break, too, for the MLB. Let's talk about the Mariners. The Mariners, great. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Owen. Thanks. All right, and that was talking soccer, thanks to PMT, uh, with Owen Stewart, our soccer aficionado. I admittedly am not a big soccer fan. It's uh, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I was never very good at it. I'm a contact sport player, and in a sport where even the tiniest ear flick leads to a fake injury. Yeah, this isn't going to be my sport. But if they can put that aside and you're playing for your nation, you're playing for pride, I do like any type of match or game or anything where every score is the biggest deal in the world. You see that in hockey playoffs. That's always a lot of fun because you see 2-1 games. Those goals get people going. So... The fact that these games are always usually pretty tight, low-scoring type affairs, I'm, I'm in. Like, And you know what? It's only every couple of years that you really get to watch these types of things. It's not like I have to root for it every summer. So if you want to call me like, oh, he only likes it because it's like, yeah, well, that is. Because I don't have to watch it all the time. It's the same with the Olympics. I like watching the gymnastics because I'm like, give me the greatest routine ever. Give me dynasties. Give me all that jazz. Even though it seems like every four years, there's a new gymnast that's like, no, this is the best. You know, it was like Simone uh, was the most recent one. Then it was Gabby Douglas before that. Then it was like Ali Raisman and like the like the Fab Four. But there was like a Russian girl four years before that. So that is a little bit where I'm like, okay, let's stop hyping this to be the greatest gymnast ever when I just heard this four years ago. But it does go to show that you don't really need to be super into it all the time. That's a sport where I can watch it for one month every four years. Yeah, I can get into something for one month every four years. Bring it on. So I'm pretty pumped about the World Cup uh, coming up with the uh, knockout round, I think it's called, or the round of 16, whatever they want to call it. So really pumped about that. All right. So 
We're about time to finish up the podcast, which means Bachelorette update of the week. All right, we're down to nine now. Last week, none of the big-time characters were cut. Clay went home. Jean Blanc was sent home in a very embarrassing I love you withdrawal that he pulled. But now it's time for only getting rid of the characters. She had a one-on-one date with Colton, which was boring. Uh, he said he like could see himself. He used those words. And like anytime that's it, I'm like, all right, so you really like her. You want to say the word love, but you don't want to tell her you love her. I get it. I understand where you're going with that. Fine. Fair play, Colton. It was a very boring half hour, his, his portion. The group date was another thing that I was like, all right, well, it is whatever. It seems like, you know, they, uh, this, this time they had to like write music with, uh, what's his face? Wayne Newton, Wayne. Oh, is that his name? Wayne Newton. Let's say Wayne Newton is his name. Uh, and, and that one was really boring. The guys had to write a song, perform it on like the Las Vegas strip. It was fine. It was whatever. To be honest, like these group dates, they don't really mean anything because she just gets to see them. And unless somebody's going to go do something stupid, like not participate or hit on another girl or like go to the hospital, the group dates are really just a waste of time because she spends equal amount of time with them all. They all show that they can be a little fun given the right situation. So unless anything dramatic happens, the group dates are a waste of time. Now, after the group date is always when it's good because then she's like, I didn't get to spend time with all of you tonight. And then Chris goes into a mini fucking meltdown where he like cries about it. And then he tries to go talk to her and he's saying about he might be leaving. And then he's like, no, wait, I want to talk to you again. And he's like trying to interrupt Wills, which, by the way, when she sat down with Wills and Chris came, I was like, hey, can I steal you for a second? Wills is like, dude, you got to talk to her. You got a lot of time with her. Uh, and then he's like, I'll give you two minutes. He comes back after like 40 seconds or whatever. He's like, all right, time's up. And Chris is like, seriously, man, seriously, man. So he like, he asked like four different times in four different ways. Like, you're not going to let me just hang out with her for a little bit more. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Chris, like he was nice enough to give you the moment anyway. Will's handled it like a pure pro, but he like, he, like I'm a big Will's fan now because it was like, no, I'm, I, no, it's over, man. And even, even Becca was like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. And then Will's like, I'll give you two minutes. And she was like, fine, I'll talk to you. Anyway, Chris ended up staying through the episode. Uh, He's a baby back bitch. He is whining because not everything's going his way. I get it. You had your one-on-one date. You're hoping things will progress. But there are a lot of guys there that she's trying to see what she has with them. What, I mean, why are you going to go, like, ape shit and lose it? Like, if she's going to send you home, if she doesn't see it going anywhere, she'll send you home. So why are you going to like act like a little baby when in reality she might actually like you and now she sees this from you and she's like, are you just going to quit every time something's not going your way? Are you just going to act like a little bitch because like you didn't get enough one-on-one time with me? Come on, man. It was pathetic. And come on, Chris, be a man. So... That was big. And then obviously the biggest part of the episode was the two-on-one. You had David the Chicken Man who broke his nose falling out of bed. Uh, I think that was a ploy just to get a rose because he saw the writing on the wall, which I'm like, bravo. You know, if you get sent into the hospital, you automatically get that rose. Like that's just how it goes every year. Uh, Evan did it. Um, 
uh, that snarly little piece of shit. <laughs> uh, who else did it? There, like uh, Clay. Hey, he got the rose, even though he like injured his his wrist and like had to leave the show. Still got a rose. Getting injured plays. Uh, then Jordan, on the two on one date, erupted, but used the mom has the has mental health issues as like his saving grace. So she didn't send him home on the two on one, but she didn't give him the rose just yet. Made him earn it. And then he shot himself in the foot. Uh, during their little dinner time together, she like had the rose, could have given it to him, and all he did was talk about himself. The guy is much watched TV. He's already confirmed for Bachelor in Paradise, so don't worry. We're going to get more of him in August. That'll be awesome because, frankly, that's where he belongs. He doesn't belong in The Bachelor. He belongs on Bachelor in Paradise where they're already racking up all-stars. They have Crystal. They have Jordan. They have, uh, oh my gosh, I forget the uh, the black guy's name who went apeshit in Rachel's season. They're already racking up some, uh, Eric, Eric was his name. They're racking up the all-stars. This is going to be a good Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, Jordan didn't leave in uh, before giving a Hall of Fame speech again, talking about how his biggest strength is being me and David's biggest strength is not being him. And that's why God talks about Jordan. Oh my God, this guy is such a character. He is unbelievable. And it's like, we saw it. He was going to go home sooner or later. David brought him down. Like, the oldest trick in the book, right? When you try and bring someone down, guess what? Sometimes, usually you succeed. But you know what you always do every time you try and bring them down on the show? When you try and talk shit about someone behind their back? You are always going down. That's just how it is. You can take a shot at the big bad wolf, but you're going to get killed too. So that happened. David was talking. David spent his only time he had with Becca talking shit about Jordan. Becca was like, all right, great. Thanks. Uh, you're obviously going home because you spend 10 seconds with me and you're talking about another guy. Like, great. She'll figure this shit out for her own. You don't have to spend your only time bad-mouthing other players. It's just players. Guys, it's just a waste of time. And you're wasting her time. And it it's the oldest trick in the book. Next year, when Colton is probably the Bachelor or whoever's the Bachelor next season, you will see somebody try and diss a girl that's there for the wrong reasons. They'll say it to Colton and Colton will say, Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. He'll address the one girl. The one girl will get pissed off. It'll be she said, she said type situation. And guess what? They both go home sooner or later. Like usually sooner rather than later. So Bachelorette's starting to heat up. This week was a good ep. And I'm expecting more good ones coming up. I'm going to be on vacation for this next this next episode, so I'll have to find the people in the house that are willing to spend Monday night watching The Bachelorette. Oh, boy. All right, and finally, before I let you go, we'll do a quick top five. Didn't talk too much about vacation, but one thing I want to do is point out my five favorite things to do on the OBX vacation. This is specific to the OBX one, so uh, I know these won't line up with everybody's top five vacation activities, but for me, this is the best things about vacation in the Outer Banks with my family. Number five is sleeping in. I mean, I'm an early riser. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm not, I'm no earlier than anyone else, but uh, I get into a routine and I don't sleep in on the weekends anymore. I wake up for work time. So 
excited to kind of ditch that and be waking up every day around 10. Uh, if I wake up early, it'll be like 8.30 and that's still sleeping in for me because I wake up every day around 7. So obviously one of the top things is sleeping in. Uh, number four, still on like the sleep train, is tanning slash napping. You know, you go to the beach, you get your sun, but you fall asleep. As long as you're covered up with your sunscreen, suntan lotion, whatever you're using to keep your, uh, your skin safe from the sun, there is nothing like getting a nice cool breeze down at the beach while you're getting sun and taking a nap listening to some music. I mean, that is like the dream scenario. I don't even need to be with my family to enjoy that. Like that's just something where I'm going to do that three or four times this week and I'm just going to wake up and be like, damn, and I was tanning that whole time. I feel great. Obviously, I'm going to be a little pink after it, but that's how I work. Pink for three days. I'll be brown on the fourth. Okay. Number three. I mean, I know this is kind of cheap, but in recent years, I've realized this. As a kid, I was spoiled being able to go every year no matter what because it happened in the middle of July. Football hadn't started yet. It was always like summer camp type stuff, but we never did that. I was always very spoiled with being able to go on this vacation because I had nothing to miss. Now, it takes vacation days. Guess what? In the real world, you don't just have summer off unless you're like, uh, hey, unless you're a teacher, you know, or, uh, or a coach of a certain season. You don't always have the opportunities to just take work off. So the fact that I'm able to take those vacation days, go down and just not work, and be there, that's number three for me. I mean, I know it's kind of weird just saying not working is your number three favorite thing, but to be honest, it is. It's great getting away and being able to turn off your brain and just live a little bit for a bit. All right, number two. This is a toss-up, you know, the number two and number one. So number two, I'll go with just games. Games because that can be a whole lot of things. We play a lot of charades, categories, Cards Against Humanity. Uh, there's always a new game we're coming up with. And since I have such a big group of cousins, aunts and uncles, that like it's always fun to get a new game going. And, every, and it's just great interacting with everyone you don't see. So whether it's Wiffle Ball or a card game or Go-Karts or whatever the activity, the game might be, it's just fun being able to play. I get a bit competitive. I know this. I've been told. But you know what? Games are a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in a house where you don't really get to play games every night just with everybody. It's going to be great being in a house with a bunch of people that are looking to have some fun each night. I'm all about the fun. And number one is the fact that every night's a party. You know, there is no Friday when you're on vacation. They're all Fridays. You know, there's going to be Monday. And Monday will be the best day of the week because you have the whole week ahead of you. And we'll party at night on Monday. And we'll party at night on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is July 4th. And we'll party at night on Thursday too. Everything's going to be a great time. Whether you're, it, And it's not even around drinking. It's about having fun. It's about being around everybody. It's about staying up late and just doing different activities and just spending time with everyone. I don't need to be playing games. I just want to be spending time with everyone. I want to do the party every night. And that's what we do on this trip. I'm very excited. Listen, everyone, thank you so much for listening. This, uh, this is a long episode, but you know what? I uh, had a lot to talk about. We talked World Cup. We talked vacation. We talked LeBron James like we always do. We didn't talk any Indians or Browns. Don't worry. There's nothing to really talk about right now. Uh, 
Thank you all very much. I'll be back next week with the very special vacation episode of the podcast. Take care now. Bye-bye then.